My message tonight, I believe, is a word that God spoke to me. Are you with me? Uh, you know, my husband, Pastor Bill, from day one when we, uh, we were married, uh, and, of course, we knew the Lord. We knew that God had put us together. But one of his things that he would always say with, to me, are we in agreement here? Everybody say agreement. Well, you know, I wasn't in agreement with him sometimes. I know you find that hard to believe. But, you know, over the years, we had situations where I wasn't uh, in agreement with him. Maybe I would have something. He wouldn't be in agreement with me. Uh, I've learned over the years this, that God will always bring people into agreement, but it's by the Spirit, not by their natural understanding. And so when we talk about, are you with me, we're talking about a spiritual unity, not a a flesh unity. How many of you know you can't even get 10 people together and try to decide what carpet to put in a church and have them all say yes? Everybody has a different idea. So what we need is unity of the spirit. Everybody say unity of the spirit. And uh, when God began to speak this to me, I've been reading through the Bible probably now for 15 years. It wasn't my idea. So if you're thinking that I was super spiritual, think again. That was not it. God told me to read through the Bible. The first year was really tough. I skipped. God knows, so you can too, that I skipped all the begats, begots, beguns. You know, I thought this is just a lot of names I can't even say. So I would skip it. Well, over time, you know, God got me to reading all of that. And then when I would read the old covenant, I began to remember some of those names and think, oh, I remember them. I, I remember what they did. And, and I hid the word of God in my heart. Everybody say, hide it in your heart. You know, just like Pastor John said, you don't plant a tree and have it look gigantic all in a week. And it's the same with the Word of God. We come up against things that when we hide the Word of God in our heart, when we need it, we have it. And uh, over time, uh, in the Old Covenant, I have begun to, I guess, make a, I don't know, an analysis of, analysis of who I think God really is. And I want to tell you, He is consistently consistent. Everybody say that. Consistently consistent. You know, he is not a 1980s God, a 1990s different God, a 2000 uh, different kind of God, because he is timeless, and his principles are timeless. And uh, in in the Bible that I've been studying this year, um, uh, John Maxwell says, you know, relevance is taking things that are in the now, but using them to show the timelessness of the principles of God. And that's what relevance is. It's not about let's all do what everybody else is doing right now. It's not that. It's taking situations and circumstances that we see happening in the now and using those. With, that's what Joel did. You know, he took the locust. And at first there was the creeping, and then there was this locust and that locust and that locust, till finally in his picture of something they could understand that was relevant, he showed them a timeless principle of what can happen to a person when they let go of God and don't hang on to the principles of God. And so that's a timeless truth. Everybody say timeless. And as I've looked at the scripture, um, I want you to look at Malachi 3.6 as we begin tonight. And I think this is such a good scripture to uh, say who God is, but also to see the mercy of God for all of us. And maybe for you tonight, I see it in my life. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Everybody say, that's good news. And you know why it's good news? Because therefore you are not consumed. 
Did you get that? I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now, why does he say Jacob? Because Jacob is covenant. Everybody say covenant. And so what he's saying is, because I have a covenant with you, I, I am always God. I will always be the same God. I have not changed my mind about anything that's written in here. But this is the good news. Because some people say, well, you know, that's just too hard. I can't do that. The good news is, because he doesn't change, because his mercies are new every morning, because of the laws that he set in motion in the earth, because of all of those things that he did, we are not consumed. Everybody say, thank God. That, that's a revelation that all of us really uh, need to get a hold of because except for the grace of God, where would we be today? Where, how would we live today? And, uh, and he goes on to say, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said in what way we shall we return? And he goes on and talks about the tithes and the offerings. Well, as I looked back in the old covenant, Everywhere that God spoke to somebody to do something for him that I can find that was really a major thing that they would have to do with no understanding of how they would do it, which is, I believe, where every one of us are in our lives on different days, certain days. Every one of them, he said, I am with you. Everybody say that. God is with me. He said it. He said it in uh, Exodus 3.17 when he called on Moses. When Moses said, you know, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't know how to do this. He, sa- he didn't say, well, you'll be okay because you know this and you know this. He didn't say anything. He just said, I'll be with you. I am with you. And he is the I am. He said the same thing in Judges. He said it. Uh, Pastor John shared it on Sunday. He told uh, Gideon, uh, you mighty man of valor. But before he said that, he said, I am the Lord and I am with you. You mighty man of valor. He said first, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Well, when God says I am the Lord, that means he never changes. He never changes and he is always with us. I looked up in, in if you look in Joshua, he said, I will be with you as I was with Moses. In, in, in Matthew chapter 28, in the covenant, the new covenant we're in, in verse 20, he says, Jesus said, you know, I, I've, all authority has been given to me. And then he says, go and make disciples. And then he says, and lo, I will be with you always. Everybody say always, even unto the end of the age. He is consistently consistent. He is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And then Jesus, his name, Emmanuel, is God with us. And in John 14, 15 through 17, he said, I won't leave you orphans. I will come and I will dwell with you and I will be in you. Everybody say, God is with us. See, that's not the issue. And as we were singing tonight, um, everything we sang is true. He is great. And we have to see him great in order to be who God's called us to be. But what the Lord has been showing me is, are you with me? I'm with you. But are you with me? And uh, it says in Amos 3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Uh, I was just reading in 2 Corinthians uh, about the Apostle Paul talking about partnerships. You know, you can't partner with somebody 
who isn't on the same pathway that you're on, doesn't have the same goals, isn't going the same direction. Now, does that mean everybody that doesn't partner with you is wrong? No, but if you're going to partner with someone, you have to have the same purpose, the same direction. And God has a big purpose in the earth. He has big plans in the earth. And so when I hear him say, are you with me? Well, sometimes it's like with Pastor Bill. Well, I'm with you, <laughs> but I don't see what you see, or I don't, I don't have the faith to believe what you believe, but I am with you. And we are called to be with God. And when we don't walk with God, there's an opportunity for the enemy to get a position in our lives to really uh, do some, some harm. And I believe we're living in a day where it's more important than ever that we ask ourselves every day, am I with him? Am I with him? Not is he with me. Uh, that's, that's forever settled. It's the word of God. The person who has the choice is us in are we with him? And uh, in, I put this in my notes. They were laughing up in the booth. I had Jonathan 14.6 and Jehoshaphat 20.17. I want to tell you there are no books named Jonathan or Jehoshaphat. I was in a hurry today. But these are two stories that uh, God has shown me in the old covenant that I really uh, I just love Jonathan was in a really bad position and and uh, the enemy was there and he decided he would try to take the enemy and he wasn't really prepared. Uh, I mean, he didn't have everything that he needed to do it. But uh, in verse six of chapter 14. Uh, he says to the, the person with him, uh, to the young man, his armor bearer, he, he decides that he's going to go over and attack the enemy. And it says he's between a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. That's what you call between a rock and a hard place. You got it? It's in the word. Okay. So he's there and he says, Jonathan says to the young man who bore his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Everybody say covenant. He knows they don't have a covenant. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Isn't that good news? So that means whether you've got the whole church with you or it's just you and the Lord, you win. Amen? Even if you're between a rock and a hard place, as long as you're with him, as long as you're with him, it's a guarantee. And then in uh, Second Chronicles 2017, all of you know the story of Jehoshaphat, but uh, when, when Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, when he made it his choice, to be with God. When, when, when the man of God came and said to him, this is, what, this is the position you're in. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which is, which is, say it out again, with you. The salvation of the Lord, which is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is Say, he's with me. See, if the enemy wants to take that from you, he wants you to think God isn't with you when the fact is he is always with you. But he says that to get you to run away from him. Now, I do not believe we ever escape from his presence because it says in Psalm, I think it's one. 39, where it says, where can I go from your presence? There is nowhere to go. I believe he's always with us. But, you know, the, and it says in the new covenant, I will never leave you or forsake you. But I do believe in the old covenant, 
the children of Israel were faced many times with, are you going to be with me or are you not going to be with me? And when they chose not to be with God, even though they may have been victorious, a lot of times they failed. And Jehoshaphat is a good example right here because we see what he did. But then it says at the end of his life, This is why you always want to finish strong. Everybody say, finish strong. A lot of leaders never finish strong. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. He he allied himself. He put himself in agreement with with someone who acted wickedly. And it says, and, and he allied himself with him to make ships. But Eliezer, the son of Dodavad, see how hard this is, of Merashah, prophesied, everybody say prophesied, against Jehoshaphat saying, because you have allied yourself with a hazy eye, the Lord has destroyed your works. His ending was not what his beginning was, because at a certain point in time, he changed from going with what God said Now, God was with him. I mean, it said God was with him. But when he changed and went with the other force, then he ended up in a position where the works were destroyed that he was trying to do because God was not with him in that thing that he was trying to do. God is always with us, but God has plans. And when we go against what he's trying to do, then he, how many of you ever done something and you know, I made a turn and God didn't, it seems, in this decision. He's still with you. Everybody say, he's with me. Because every time the children of Israel would cry out to God, he would immediately rescue them. That's the great news of the old covenant. It's over and over. Well, as I was reading this one story, um, and it's it's before this... uh, story here. It's in Second Chronicles 14. It's about um, a, a king, Asa. And, uh, you know, he's down line from Solomon, a few kings. But, um, and Solomon's end wasn't the best either, even though he had all the wisdom in the world. I think we need to learn from how other people fared in their leadership in what God asked them to do. And, you know, every one of us is leading somebody. Uh, you, if you have children, you're a leader. I mean, you have a family. People are watching. If you're in business, there are other people watching you. So I believe in the day that this day that we're living in, God continually says to me, I want to do great things. And and I want want my glory. We sang it. Show me your glory. Well, you're going to see God's glory when you connect with God. You're going to see God's glory when you step into that place, whether you understand it or you get it or not, because you just said, yes, I'm... I'm with you. When he says, are you with me? Yes, I'm with you. And uh, this story is probably uh, uh, very fascinating to me, but it it actually says in here, if you're with God, he'll be with you. If you're not with God, he is not going to be with you. It's not that he's not, he's not with you, you know, in, in your having his presence, but he's not going to be in agreement with what you're doing. If you choose to go over here in wickedness, he is not going to get in agreement with that wickedness because he loves you. You know, no more than we would get in agreement with our children doing the wrong thing. But this is about Asa, and he reigned in Judah. Now, by this time, um, Rehoboam, who, was, who came after Solomon, that was his son, he decided to follow wrong counsel, 
and the kingdom split, and Israel went one way, and Judah and Benjamin went another. So we have got these two, the, the, the 12 tribes that were always together now are split. And we still, by the way, are having terrible problems over in the Middle East because of that split, because of one man's decision to not do what God said and do what he thought. And so uh, in this situation, Asa, it says, did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden images, and he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. And he continued to do that. Well, in the process, uh, he had an army of 300,000. Uh, from Judah and 280,000 who carried shields and swords from Benjamin. So that would be, I didn't do this ahead of time, but about 580,000 people. That was his army, okay? But it says, then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men. Came out against him. And 300 chariots, and he came to Marisha. So Esau went out against him, and they set the troops in battle. And Asa cried out to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you and your name, and in your name we go against this multitude. O God, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Not against us, against you. Why? Because he's in partnership with the Lord. He made a decision to call that nation into the truth of the word of God. And when he did that, the Ethiopians were overthrown. They could not recover. They were broken before the Lord and, and the, uh, everything they had, the spoil was taken away from them. It says in the commentary in another Bible that I have, that it was the greatest military victory Israel has ever had in the history of Israel when they defeated. Because one man, everybody say one man, said, I'm with you. I'm with you, God. We're going to do this. Uh, I believe what we're getting ready to see is just going to be amazing that God's getting ready to do. But we're going to have to choose to be in this position. Now, this man didn't have the biggest army, and he didn't have the most things. Uh, I believe September, because of what God told me about the prayer, is a critical month for this church. I believe it's a critical month for your households. I believe it's a critical month in the kingdom of God for what God's about ready to do. And so when God says, I need you to come and pray on Monday nights from 630 to 730, I need you to do this for me. He isn't asking me whether I feel like it. You know, for me, I'm talking about me. He's saying, do this because are you with me or are you not with me? Now, he didn't say, I'll see anything when I do that. See, I think oftentimes when God begins to speak to us, we don't take that step that God is saying, that first step that God is saying, so we can see him be with us. I'm sure when Asa said, we're going to do this and we're going to stand for God, he did not expect a one million man army to come against him. That one million army, one million man army came against him because he stood for God. Because he stood with God, and he came to destroy. It goes on and says, Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, 
he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without, and I want you to listen, these are the three things Israel had been without. They had been without the true God, which would be the God we serve. They had been without a teaching priest. That means that the priest, the people that heard from God, the people who knew what God was saying, were not teaching people the truth, and without the law. How many of you would look at the the condition that we are in in this nation and really in the nations of the world? I, I think we're about there. I think we're facing the very same situations. And I think there's only one voice that's going to be able to change anything that's going on, and that's the voice of the church. Everybody say, that's us. That's us. We have a voice. Uh, we, we use our voice first in prayer because if men don't pray, nothing happens. Uh, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty said once, if you don't pray about everything, you probably don't pray about anything because we are in that season where we need to be praying about everything that we are asking God about. And then he, it says, um, and when, let's see, for a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, without the law. But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord, God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. And that's exactly, I believe, what we see right now in the nation that we live in. Without a true God, God, his word, prayer, those situations uh, in our nation have been are, are trying to be squelched. You cannot squelch God. How, how many of you believe that? The government can try, but but God always pops up. You know, He's like that. Whatever that is, you know, when you hit those things in the ground and they pop up somewhere else, God will always find a remnant to begin to speak through, and He will speak. But um, as I was looking at this, um, Abraham Lincoln, there was a point in the Civil War when he was asked, um, do you believe God is on our side? And he answered this, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Everybody say he's always right. See, we're being challenged in every arena, uh, in, in lifestyles, uh, the word diversity has been twisted. I mean, the enemy's subtle. He starts with a right kind of thing, and then he kind of weaves in a little bit of wrong and a little bit more wrong. And before he gets done, nobody really knows for sure what was said, but we begin to compromise. Everybody say compromise. The issue with all the abortions and all the babies that have died, that has not gone unnoticed in heaven. But what really has not gone unnoticed in heaven is what is the church doing about that situation because are we with him or are we not with him? And I believe that this season of the the, uh, warfare has intensified. The warfare has intensified because the enemy recognizes that God is about to really do something in the earth, but he's going to do it. When he does it, he'll do it through the church. He will do it through people like Asa who stood up and said, this is the way it's going to you know, this is the way, this is what we're going to do. Now, the sad thing for Asa is he ended up in the same place as Jehoshaphat. He ended up in the same place as Solomon because he joined up with someone to help him instead of looking to God for his help. 
And when, when we do that, we put ourselves in this, in this position. Uh, you know, they all rejoiced at the things that went on when he was walking with the Lord. But in the end, he turned and went the other way. And then following him, everything went the wrong direction. And that's when you read in the Old Covenant, you'll read this, this king was with the Lord. He did right in the sight of God. This king did wrong in the sight of God. Uh, I don't think parenting's an issue. Uh, because some kings had sons that did the right thing. Some kings that were good kings had sons that did the wrong thing. I think it's a decision that's made by the heart of the person that God anoints for the purpose. And I believe we're all anointed for a purpose. And uh, I hope I don't sound like I'm preaching to you tonight, but God's been preaching to me, so I'm just going to pass it on to all of you. Hallelujah. You know, we're in a season where I believe we're going to see opportunities, like Pastor John said at the beginning of the year, the scripture that he gave in the beginning of the year, Ephesians 5, where it talks about opportunities, that it's a time, it's a season, you got to know the season, and then you got to step into the season. Uh, Leaders have to be able to discern, number one, then have a strategy, number two, and then have the ability to walk it out. And what happens is there's going to be opposition toward those things. Some of you in here have started down a road and thinking you're going the right way, and you have met up with that opposition. Sometimes we get excited, we move ahead, and we don't have the strategy that God gave us. So we get in that position, and then we're thinking, now, where did God go? Well, you know, just go back to God and find out where he, where, what turn he happens to be at that you might have made a wrong one, because he's always with you when you say, I'm with you, when you make that commitment to be with him. And as I, as I looked at this, um, in Joel chapter two, um, where it talks about how we need the, the leader has to be in a position, and, and I believe we're all leaders. Turn to your neighbor and say you're a leader. You know, just you're, you're an ambassador for heaven's sakes. You know, uh, that's what the word of God says. That makes you a leader in the, in the earth. And, and when you're an ambassador for God, you, you are working not only with him. You're not only with him. You're, you're employed by him. I mean, he is the boss. And so when he says these things to us, there are going to be things that don't make sense to us, but God will be in it with us if we step into those positions. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have the victory. Now you may think, you may be sitting there thinking this woman doesn't have a clue about what's going on in my life. If you belong to Jesus, you have the victory because it was established at Calvary. This is not, when you hook up with God in covenant, it's not you that makes it work. It's him that makes it work. So when you give your heart to Jesus, you have automatically become the winner. It says in Galatians 3, having begun in the spirit, are we now going to take this thing into the flesh? And if you read the old covenant, every one of the kings, I think there were only two that, that actually went from start to finish and didn't mess up. So listen, heck, I mean, you guys are doing good. Really, I mean, these are people that were kings. We're kings and priests. This doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake, but it does mean that we are in a season where we have to know, am I really with God? Um, I, I'm a person that loves to walk in grace, and in and, uh, and my life, I've had challenges with um, calling people to accountability sometimes for their choices and their decisions. And uh, God told me, you know, you cannot do that anymore. Uh, You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to say, 
what it is. And that's what it is. And uh, there were three things that he told me that uh, I need to remember. God is always with me. Everybody say he's always with me. And number two, and this is where I think we all can fail. Take no thought for your life. Now, I heard that in 1979, take no thought for your life. Uh, when I had three kids and I was by myself and I thought, if somebody didn't take thought for my life, we're all going down, four of us. But God taught me, no, you cannot take thought for your life. I take thought for your life. Just are you with me? Are you with me? And you have to choose to do it my way. And so I did. And, and it's in Revelations 12. Many of you have heard the scripture. It says we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. But see, most people stop. And they never say the last one. And not loving your life even unto death. The reason Pastor John's preaching these messages this month is because God can only work through the spirit and not the flesh. And this is a month to get rid of the flesh. How many of you are ready to get rid of all that stinking flesh? It doesn't help you anyway, just in case you thought it did. It does not. It, it, will, it will kill you. But uh, I, it, and number three was see me great. And he continues to give me Isaiah uh, 6, where Isaiah says, I see the Lord, and he's seated on the throne. Everybody say, on the throne. That means he's majesty. Uh, you know, the songs that God's having me been singing are about his majesty, and they're old ones, but about who he is and his power and, and all those things. And so I see him, but I don't always see myself in that place with him because I think I have to be like him. I do have to be like him, but I don't have to know what he knows. I can just go with him and he'll show up and prove himself in the situation. I don't have to be as great as he is. I just have to be with him. I have to join up with him. And uh, I, I was, uh, the, really that scripture just constantly goes off. Isaiah, can you put that up, Isaiah? Uh, it's chapter six, verse one. And, and I'm going to share this very quickly. Uh, this week, I was uh, at home in the evening, and my husband watches uh, Trinity, Trinity TBN, TBN a lot. And, um, and so uh, this is what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And... Uh, And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. How many of you want to see that? Well, you're partnering with him because it's through the believers that this glory is going to be seen. It's it's going to be as we walk out what God says. And one cried to the other, holy, holy, holy. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. And I stopped there. Well, um, I went out to watch television with my husband, and there was uh, this man from Crystal Cathedral. His name is Bobby Schuler. He's three lines down from the Robert Schuler. It's his grandson. Now, this was a huge, how many of you know the Crystal Cathedral? A mighty, mighty church. I mean, this man preached to people on the top of a car in a movie theater, and people parked in the movie theater to hear him preach. And out of that came this huge church. And it was full. And there were choirs. And there were, I mean, it was massive. Have you ever seen the Crystal Cathedral? You need to look it up online. It's, it's just a huge facility. And uh, long story short, 
Robert Schuler stepped down. He put his son in position. Things didn't go the way that I don't know what happened. I don't really care. I know it was the devil because the devil's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's never people. He wanted to demolish what God had started. Well, then here comes this kid, Bobby. Now, he must be all of 35 or something, 32. He's up there, and the, 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 uh, the pulpit in this place is like way up in the air you know, like almost God himself. I mean, I thought, dear Jesus, I wouldn't go up there. I could fall out if I got excited preaching. I could be down in the choir loft just like that. And, uh, but it, I mean, it's really, but, but it, see, I think this, we have to be very careful in the charismatic church that we do not lose the awesomeness of who God is and his holiness. And he is up there. He is there, but we're seated with him, but you're not going to sit there and be effective if you don't get these things out of our lives that cause us to not be able to walk equally in that yoke that he's called us to walk in. Now I have gone to preaching, but let me finish. And so he said, he began to preach and he talked about Isaiah. Well, see, I'm right away interested because he says, Isaiah six, I'm I'm with you. I've been there. I've been there for about two months. What are we going to talk about? I wasn't expecting the message. Hallelujah. Because, you know, we all think that when God asks us to do something, it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be great. But, you know, when we had that word at the beginning of the year, he said it was going to be an opportunity. He didn't say what kind of opportunity. And, uh, and you know, God will strip us down to be that person that he needs us to be in this time. So here's, here's uh, Isaiah. And, and he says, um, the, well, it starts after he says, then one of the seraphim flew to me. Oh, no, the doorpost. And it fills with smoke. And, I, and he got there, and I thought, yeah, I'm with you. But I had never read further. And so I said, woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. This is Isaiah. I mean, the famous prophet. He says, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. How many of you know we dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips? And it says, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. When he saw who he was, he saw who God was. He saw who he was. And he said, and then one of the seraphim came and just touched his mouth with a coal. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Wasn't that fast? And your sin is purged. I mean, just like that. All he said was, I'm undone. And God said, let me fix it. Because that was a hot coal probably, right? God thought, you know. How many of you know you need to put a guard over your mouth? We have to have clean lips, clean lips. That means what comes out of our mouth is so important. And, uh, and anyway, he, he, this wasn't what he was teaching, but as I read it, boy, the hair stood up on my arms. And he says, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull, their eyes heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he said, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, and the houses are without a man, and the land is desolate. Goes on. He said, God asked him to take a ministry for him to go to a group of people who would never listen to him, would never do what he said, and how long would they do that? all of the days of his life. I thought, well, I don't want to hear any more about that. I like the first part. But I believe we're living in that day. God is asking people to step up into positions all over the earth. 
I heard it when I was at Word Explosion. God is changing people's positions and putting them in places. But these places, and I'm not saying they'll all be like this, but I'm telling you we are living in a world that is like that. They're not going to say, oh, we love that message. You know, we love it that you feel that way. No, that's not necessarily going to be what we have. But are we with him or are we not? That's the question. Are we with him or are we not? Whatever he says, uh, when, when Pastor John took the church, and the first Sunday that I, when I announced that, and I was the pastor at that time, and I, I, God said to me, give him this message. Whatever he says, just do it. Well, I thought, okay, so I preached it. But then God said, and whatever he says, you just do it. I thought, well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. This is, this is not right. But in his position, he's the pastor. I'm his mother. Well, how many of you know that doesn't mean a whole lot some days anyway? Hallelujah. But he does love me, and I love him. But, see, when God puts people in position, and he's calling people into positions that they may not do the best. I'm not talking about him, but I don't do the best job God gave me to do and things that he's told me to do. However, the only question he ever asked me is, are you with me? Are you with me? Not how good I did it. Are you with me? I say that to you tonight. It's time to be with God. Not, not who we are, because the latter is going to be much greater than what we have seen. And God has said to me, the best is yet to come. The best, the best is yet to come. If you believe that, I want you to stand on your feet tonight. And I want you to believe it for your house. You may be here tonight and say, you know, this isn't the way it is at my house. Well, it, you know how long it took that, you know how long it took that seraphim to go down there and just touch Isaiah's lips and everything changed. Repentance is simply recognizing, man, I missed it and I just need to get it right. It's a, it says it's a turning away from where you've been and choosing to go another direction in your life. I don't know in your life where you're at tonight, but I encourage everybody here to begin to ask God on a daily basis, Lord, am I with you? Am, is there something I need to know about myself? Is there something you want to do in my life? Uh, this, this whole month, Pastor John's preaching uh, on, about the crazy train. And uh, really, it'll drive you crazy if you don't walk with God. Could you bow your heads? It'll just drive you crazy. Because there's nothing in this world that's right without Jesus. And so I ask you tonight, if you're here and you know uh, your life just hasn't been right and you know that there needs to be a change, You may be here and say, well, that's the way I feel. Well, I am undone. You know, things are out of control. But I'm ready to give Jesus the reins to my life and to make a difference. If that's you tonight and you say, you know, I came here uh, and I didn't know what I might hear or what to expect, but I know I need to make a decision tonight. And I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to give him permission to lead me, to guide me, to teach me his ways to follow him could I see your hands if that's you I just want to pray with you tonight anybody here I see your hand I see your hand thank you yeah now if you're here tonight and you say you know I just know I'm undone even though I know the Lord in my life things are undone and I I, I want to turn this thing around tonight I want to I want to turn and go the other direction can I see your hands that's you. I, I need to make some changes. Yeah. I see your hand. 
I need to make some changes and I, I, need to, I need to get my mouth in line with what God says. I need to change some of the things I've been believing. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight for all those that have raised their hands and maybe some that are here that, you know, haven't even seen because they've not asked that question of themselves. But Lord, it is our decision in this house tonight to always walk with you, not walk on our own. If you raise your hand for any of those things, would you come quickly down here? Just going to pray over you. Just going to lay my hands on you and pray for you. Some other people are going to come and stand behind you. Those of you that lifted your hand and you need to make a decision tonight. You're ready to make it. Hallelujah. What's your name? Danielle, it's good to meet you. Hi, what's your name? Bonnie, it's good to meet you too, Bonnie. Father, we thank you for those that have come up here tonight. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for especially. Could you stretch your hands out toward all of these? And some of you can come lay hands on these that you see up here. But I'd like to take your hands if I could. Father, I thank you for Danielle and Bonnie. You know what the enemy has meant for harm. God's going to turn it around and fix it. Let's just all say this prayer with them tonight. Jesus. Jesus, just say that out loud. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I've made mistakes, and I don't know how to fix them. But I want them fixed, and I want to go the right way. I need your help. I need you to show me. I need you to show me where I'm wrong. And show me how I can walk in forgiveness for those who have done wrong to me. In Jesus' name. Now I'm just going to lay my hands on you and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you tonight. Thank you that Bonnie is set free from every stronghold in Jesus' name. I thank you for Danielle. And I thank you tonight as a new beginning for both of them. In Jesus' name. And that you will be mighty in their behalf. Mighty in their behalf. And as they've said, I want to be with you, God. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to hold your hand. I want to know you're holding I thank you, Father, that you will reveal yourself to them in a new way in Jesus' name. Now ask everybody, just begin to pray where you're standing. Stretch your hands out. Let's believe for these that have come tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The latter will be greater than the former. The latter will be greater than the former. It will be greater than your past.